0: It's the 19th of April in the year of our salvation, 2009. It's Low Sunday, the octave of Easter. It's also called the Divine Mercy Sunday. And from ancient times, we call this day Dominica in Albis. And this is Father Z with another podcast. Today, we are going to unpack some of the wonderful things that we can learn about this octave of Easter, the Low Sunday, Dominica in Albis. And in order to uh, pry into it, drill into it, we're going to ask the help of a frequent guest on these podcasts, the great doctor of grace himself, the Bishop of Hippo, St. Augustine, who died in 430. He'll speak to us across the centuries in a sermon that he gave on this very Sunday in his cathedral in Hippo to the newly baptized. Today is one of my favorite Sundays of the Church's year in the post-conciliar calendar. Today is technically called the second Sunday of Easter. It's the octave Sunday of Easter. It's the conclusion of that mysterious halting of liturgical time, which is an octave. An octave is a time when it's like the clock stops and we are able to rest in the mystery that we've celebrated and then contemplated from different perspectives. Now, once in history, there were many, many octaves in the church, but they've been whittled down in the new calendar in modern times only to the octaves of Christmas and of Easter. Uh, one of the greatest losses after the Council was the octave also of Pentecost, but once upon a time, there were many octaves. And it gives us a chance to of rest in the mystery and look at it from different angles uh, so that we can get more out of it, as it were. Now, this is the second Sunday of Easter in the new calendar, and it's a Sunday that has a lot of nicknames. Uh, For example, we call it Low Sunday, and sometimes we call it Thomas Sunday because of the gospel reading about the doubting apostle Thomas. It's also called Quasimodo Sunday, which is from the first word of the first chant for Holy Mass at the entrance procession, the Introit, Quasimodo, that comes from Quasimodo geniti infantes, um, in the, and that's an older Latin text. It's from First Peter two, uh, verses two to three. Uh, Quasimodo. That's the the Quasimodo. There is the older version in Latin that predated what Jerome did. Very interesting that in the Vatican, uh, which is where, of course, our Roman chants come from, that are in the Roman Missal, and many of those antiphons that we have, such as the Introit, they begin. Uh, they they use a text in Latin which is actually older than what Jerome put together, because in the Vulgate, in Jerome's Vulgate, it's sicut modo, but in the even older version, it's quasi modo, and that's what we've retained in the chant. So it's called quasi modo geniti infantes, like newborn babes. That First Peter three two to three. Like newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation, for you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So, that quasi modo geniti infantes. I don't want you to be picturing little babies with hunchbacks swinging on the edges of bells or something like that. It's just an older version. These days we say sicut modo. Um, this So this is Quasimodo Sunday. Um, It's also, since very ancient times, this Sunday is called Dominica in Albis. That is the Sunday in white clothing. Or sometimes it's in, in Dominica in Albis Depositis. It's the Sunday of the white robes having been taken off taken off and deposited and uh, i'll get back to that in just a moment but you know of course in recent times the most uh popular way of referring to this sunday is mercy sunday because of the emphasis in the texts for holy mass on god's redemptive act of mercy and the 2002 the third edition of the Missali Romanum specifically labels this Sunday, Dominica Secunda Pasque, That's you know second, the uh, second Sunday of Easter, Seu or De Divina Misericordia. Or it's you see it's the Sunday of Divine Mercy, and of course this was uh, something that that rose up to prominence, especially during the pontificate of John Paul II. The special, uh, dev- special devotion to divine mercy, which is becoming more and more popular today, uh, especially in these very difficult times, you can ima- you can understand how that would have developed after the terrifying 20th century. We have a strong sense of the need of the need for mercy. And the Lord made many promises, even about this very Sunday. And so uh, it finds these promises and that devotion and that growing sense of the need of divine mercy has found itself enshrined in the very name of this Sunday. But I want to get back to the more ancient title, the Dominica in Albis, uh, or in Albis Depositis the In the ancient church uh, the newly baptized were called a couple of different things. They were called infantes or infants. you know that Latin word comes from uh where comes from the roots meaning that they couldn't speak and infans is someone who couldn't speak, and they are also called neophytes and neophyte it comes from the Greek meaning. Uh, new plants like new little sprigs and during uh, the octave period after easter remember that the neophytes the infantes had been baptized and anointed brought into the church in a very mysterious way at the in the deep night of the easter vigil and then once they came up out of the waters and they were anointed then they put on their white baptismal robes and they would wear the baptismal robes for the week after Easter during the octave and that's the time during which they received special mystagogical instruction from the bishop about the sacred mysteries and about Christian living Catholic life which they hadn't been previously taught see they were just given what they needed in order to be baptized they they weren't given like the whole catechism of the catholic church to learn or you know something like that they weren't loaded up with too much they were given enough uh, to make a commitment and then they were taught more about the meaning of the sacred rites and about the meanings of uh, some of the prayers that they would be saying after they were baptized I think one of the reasons that they did it that way and they didn't load them up with too much information beforehand is so that they, when they went through these rites and they experienced them, their rites, the first thing that they experienced was mystery rather than it be just an intellectual exercise of them recognizing, oh yeah, we heard about this. Oh yeah, we heard about that. And now it's happening. They experienced it as mystery. So it was very, very powerful. The signs and symbols and the things that they went through gave them an encounter with mystery. And then that would, uh remain their foundational experience even then as they began to learn through the mystagogical catechesis which very much you know depends on allegory and explanation of types and foreshadowings of the old testament you know to explain what happened in the new testament and then using the new testament to go back and explain the old and looking at things from allegorical points of view you see their their first experience of it was through mystery but i'm uh I'm digressing. Look, the infantes and the ne- the neophytes, they would wear their white baptismal robes in the e- week after Easter. And then when they came to this Sunday, Dominica in albis, in the white garments, or in albis depositis, they would put off their white robes, which were then uh, deposited in the cathedral treasury as... Uh, witness to the vows that they had made and at this point then they were mixed out with the rest of the all of the rest of the Christians they weren't um, separated from them anymore they were grown up to a certain extent they were out of the nest Uh, Augustine speaks of these new Christians of course in springtime uh, he speaks of these new Christians as being like little birds flying from the nest while he, like the parent bird, is flapping around and chirping uh, both to encourage them but also to warn them about what's going to happen outside the nest. And that, of course, brings me to what I'm going to read for you. I have a sermon of Augustine. It's Sermon 376A. And it was preached on this very Sunday, Dominica in Albis. So we're not quite sure what year it was. Um, the translator uh, that I am using uh, for the English reading that you're going to hear suggests uh, fairly late in Augustine's life, in 425. And certainly it was preached in Hippo, probably in the cathedral. And Augustine uses this, this image of of the little birds who are going to be leaving the nest and going out into the dangerous World. Now, uh, as I read here, there are some things that you should keep your ears tuned for. Now, first of all, listen to at the very beginning a reference to the uh, uncovering of the heads of the neophytes, the Infantes. I don't know exactly what that's about. It could be that the newly baptized didn't have just some kind of robe, but maybe they had like a special hat or a veil that they had to wear which also identified them. Uh, But it also might be a cultural thing uh, connected with the ancient pagan priests uh, and, and ancient pagan religions where they would take a fold of their toga and put it up over their head. Uh, when they made sacrifices well here they're uncovering it might have something to do with saying like you're not a pagan anymore i'm not quite sure what that's all about Uh, second listen to how augustine plays with the age of the people involved right they're they're all infantes but they might be of various ages and so he uses these images of birth and rebirth and adam the old adam in the new adam who is christ and also uh, listen to how augustine gives this very practical warning, in very very simple terms that that you that everyone would be able to understand. He doesn't use this high flown rhetoric, or great or lofty oratory. He gets right down in in the way that people talk. As a matter of fact, toward the end of this, you're going to hear him use these little pretend dialogues, in order to make his points. And in hearing them, we are hearing exactly how people. Would speak out in the streets or in their homes in Latin. And so I'm going to give you the whole sermon in Latin also after you've had the ch- chance to get the whole sermon uh, into your ears in English. You know, get it into your head first in your vernacular, and then, you know, listen, as you're listening to Latin, if you've had any Latin at all, you're going to hear better what's going on. So let's jump right into Sermon. 376a preached in a year we're not sure about maybe maybe 425 toward the end of augustine's life and uh, it's preached on this very sunday of the octave of easter in hippo in north africa maybe you can even try to uh, imagine what the cathedral is like you know the bishop is up there in his chair he would sit in his chair and he has the roll of scripture in his lap, and you've heard the chants, you've heard everything son, and now he's and now he's about to preach. And you can see over here um, there is the group of the infantes all in their white robes. And they're very visible in front of the crowd because this is a special day for them. And over here are all the clergy, you know, gathered like in a in an ark behind where the altar is. And over on the other side. Uh, in their own special section in the cathedral, there are different the different orders, like the order of virgins and the order of widows and the order of grave diggers and all those people who are involved with the corporal works of mercy in a in a special state in the church, and then pressed in, pressed in, packed in, jammed in are all the faithful. And, even though it's bright sun outside and you know, I don't know how the place was lit but maybe they had alabaster windows which would let in a kind of golden light in the, in the morning but, and it's certainly light is streaming in probably through the doors which had to remain open because there's so many people but still there are you know, oil lamps and candles and maybe torches or something to help light the inside So and the incense has been burned so it perhaps is a little, a little smoky and Augustine, sitting in his chair, uh, begins to speak. Today is called the Octave of the Infants. They are to unveil their heads as a sign of freedom. This spiritual birth, you see, means freedom, while birth in the flesh, properly speaking, means slavery. A person, of course, has two births being born and being born again. We are born to toil, we are born again to rest, we are born to misery. WE ARE BORN AGAIN TO ETERNAL FELICITY. TAKE THESE CHILDREN, INFANTS, BABIES, SUCKLINGS, CLINGING TO THEIR MOTHER'S BREASTS, AND HOW MUCH GRACE HAS BEEN CONFERRED ON THEM WITHOUT THEIR KNOWING IT, AS YOU YOURSELVES CAN SEE, BECAUSE THEY ARE CALLED INFANTS. THEY TOO HAVE THEIR octave TODAY. AND THESE OLD PEOPLE, YOUNG PEOPLE, TEENAGERS, THEY'RE ALL INFANTS. They have one infancy, in fact, that goes with being old, another that goes with being young and new. I mean, those whom you see born very recently are born old, and there is in them, when they are born, if one may so put it, a young old age. Our old self is called Adam, from whom we are born. Our new self is Christ, through whom we are born again. So these here are also new and young, and have been born again into another life. Here, then, are our infants, being mixed in today with the faithful, and, as it were, flying from the nest. So I have an obligation, as having given birth to them, to address them in particular. As you will recall, I mean, brothers and sisters, when the fledglings of swallows and house sparrows begin to fly from the nest, their mothers fly around them with a lot of noise, and with their anxious, loving voices warn their children of the dangers. So we know that many of those who are called the faithful live bad lives— and that their behavior doesn't correspond with the grace they have received. They praise God with their tongues, blaspheme him with their lives. But we know of others among these many, as in an abundant heap of chaff, groaning like grains of wheat at the threshing, but consoling themselves with the hope of the granary that awaits them. We know that there are these two kinds of people in the church. We know the church is the Lord's threshing floor. We are hoping for the winnowing on the day of judgment. We are looking forward to the heap of corn in the resurrection. We are longing to claim the granary in eternal life. There won't be any chaff there, just as in hell there won't be any grain so now my brothers and sisters while we know there are these two sorts of people in the church the godly and the ungodly the good and the bad those who fear and those who ignore god what we don't know is to which sort these here will attach themselves what we wish however they know very well themselves but whether our wishes will be realized in them well. Human ignorance tires us out with anxiety and sometimes torments us with false suspicions. That's the kind of lesson we learn on this earth, where one cannot live without trials and temptations. So let me warn you, holy seedlings, let me warn you, fresh plants in the field of the Lord, not to have it said of you, WHAT WAS SAID OF THE VINEYARD OF THE HOUSE OF ISRAEL, I EXPECTED IT TO PRODUCE GRAPES, BUT IT PRODUCED THORNS. LET HIM FIND GOOD BUNCHES OF GRAPES ON YOU, SEEING THAT HE WAS HIMSELF A BUNCH OF GRAPES TRODDEN IN THE WINE-PRESS FOR YOU. PRODUCE GRAPES, LIVE GOOD LIVES. For the fruit of the Spirit, as the Apostle says, is charity, joy, peace, tolerance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control, chastity. When our farmer comes to us, whose laborers we are, while he produces growth from within — I mean, we know how to plant and water outwardly — but, as the Apostle says, Neither the one who plants is anything, nor the one who waters, but God who produces growth. Who now sees how you listen, who now observes how you fear him, or are now beginning to fear him. So when that farmer comes, may he find in you what the Apostle said, My joy and my crown, all of you that are standing firm in the Lord." Brothers and sisters, my sweetest children, dearest children, Imitate the good, beware of the bad. You see, I know that bad people are going to come to you, And are going to try to persuade you to indulge in drunkenness, And they are going to say to you, Why not? Aren't we too very staunch believers? Yes, I know they will. That's what saddens me. That's what I am afraid of. If you now say firmly, "'Brother, I don't even want you to do what you are doing, "'but if I can't lead you over to my good example, "'at least don't drag me over to your bad one. "'These people, as commonly happens, will start getting headaches. "'Your neighbor or his wife is going to say to you, "'There's a good witch-doctor here and a good healer here.' "'Somewhere or other there's an astrologer. "'What you say is, I am a Christian. "'That sort of thing's forbidden me. "'And if he says to you, Why not? "'I am a Christian too,' you are going to say, "'But I am one of the faithful.' "'And he will answer you, "'And I too have been baptized.' "'Members of Christ become the devil's angels.' BECAUSE HE IS POSSESSED BY THE ENEMY, HE TRIES TO CATCH ANOTHER ONE, TOO, FOR HIM. MAY THE ONE WHO HAS PREPARED THESE TRAPS FOR YOU FIND YOU PREPARED. THAT'S WHY I'M SPEAKING. THAT'S WHY I'M CALLING YOU TO WITNESS. THAT'S WHY I'M NOT KEEPING QUIET. THAT'S WHY I'M SHAKING MY GARMENTS. THAT'S WHY I'M CLAIMING TO BE EXCUSED AT THE JUDGMENT SEAT OF MY GOD. I WILL SAY TO MY GOD, LORD, I DIDN'T KEEP QUIET. LORD, I DIDN'T HIDE THE TALENT YOU GAVE ME, BUT INVESTED IT. WHAT HE MIGHT SAY TO ME IS, WICKED SERVANT, YOU SHOULD HAVE GIVEN, I WOULD HAVE COLLECTED. LOOK, LORD, I DID GIVE. IT'S FOR YOU NOW TO COLLECT and if perhaps your fancies ever tickled by old bad habits, you have someone you can appeal to for help. Your helper is greater than your attacker. That's why you groan, that's why you pray, that's why you say, lead us not into temptation. Notice too, my brothers and sisters, what you say just before, forgive us our debts in order to carry out what follows, as we also forgive our debtors. You give alms, you receive alms. You pardon, you are pardoned. You are generous, you are treated generously. Listen to God saying, Forgive and you will be forgiven, give and things will be given to you. Keep the poor in mind. I say this to all of you. Give alms, my brothers and sisters, and you won't lose what you give. Trust God. I'm not only telling you you won't lose what you do for the poor, but I'm telling you plainly, this is all that you won't lose. You will lose the rest. Come now, let's see if you can cheer the poor up today. You be their granaries, so that God may give to you what you can give to them, and so that he may forgive whatever sins you have committed. Shut an alms up in the hearts of the poor, and it will pray for you to the Lord, to whom be all honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Odie octave dicuntur infantium. Revelanda sunt capita eorum co est indicium libertatis. Habet enim libertatem ista spiritualis nativitas, propriae autem carnis nativitas servitutem. Due sunt udique hominis nativitatis, nasci et re-nascii. Nascimur ad laborem, Renashimur ad quietem. Nashimur ad miserias. Renashimur ad eternam felicitatem. Nam pueri infantes parvoli lactentes materni superibus inherentes et quantumineos gratiae conferatur nescientes Ut ipsi videtis quia infantes vocantur, ed ipsi habent octavas horie. Et istis senes juvenes, adolescentuli, omnes infantes. Una quipe illorum infancia pertinet ad vetustatem, altera ad novitatem. Nam quos videtis recentes apartu veteres nascuntur, Vetus homo noster dictus est Adam, ex connascimur, novus homo Christus, perquem renascimur. Isti ergo et novi sunt, et renati sunt ad aliam vitam, et est in ilis, si potest, quando nascuntur nova vetustas. Ece miscentur hodie fidelibus infantis nostri et tamquam de nido volant, Necesse est, ergo, ut parturientes eos aluquamur. Sicut enim recolitis fratres mei, hirundinum vel domesticorum passerum pulos, quando volare di nido ceperint matres cum strepitu circumvolant, et vocibus biis estantur pericula filiorum. Cimus, ergo, multos qui appellantur fideles, male vivere, et gracie quam acceperunt moribus suis non convenire, laudare Deum lingua, blasfemare vita. Scimus autemalios inter istos multos, tamquam inter multam et abundantem paleam, vel grana dementes in dritura, sed spe se consolantes. Duo ista genera hominum shimus esse in ecclesia, Aream Dominicam Ecclesiam novimus. Ventilationem indie judici speramus, massam frumenti in resurrectione desideramus, horeum in vita eterna sumere cupimus. Ibi nulla palea erit, sicur in Gehenna nullum granum erit. Nunc ergo, fratres mei, cum sciamus duo ista genera hominum esse in Ecclesia, tiorum et impiorum, bonorum et malorum, timensium et contemnensium, quibus coniunganturisti nesimus. Quid autem velimus? Et ipsi siunt, utrum de ilis vota nostra compleantur, humana ignorancia solititudine fatigatur, adiquando et su suspicionibus agitatur, et his digitur in hac terra, ubi sine tentatione non vivitur. Admonio ergo vos, sancta Germina, admonio vos, novelle in agro dominico plante, ne de vobis dicatur, cod de vinia domus Israel dictumst, expectaviut faceret uvas, fetit autem spinas. Botrum in vobis inveniat, qui botrus pro nobis calcatus est. Uvam ferte, bene vivite. Fructus enim spiritus est, sicud dicit apostolus caritas, gaudium, pax, longanimitas, beninitas, bonitas, mansuetudo, fides, continencia, castitas. Quando ad nos venerit agricola noster, cuius nos operari sumus, Ille qui intus dat incrementum. Nam nos forensicus plantare novimus et rigare, sed ait apostolus, neque qui plantat est aliquid, neque qui rigat, sed Deus qui incrementum dat, qui modo videt quomodo audiatis, qui modo inspicit quomodo timeatis, aut iam timere incipiatis cum ad vos ile agricola venedit in veniat in vobis quod dicterat apostolus, gaudium meum et corona mea omnes qui statis in domino fratres fili dulcissimi fili carissimi imitamini bonos cavete malos si uenim qui aventuri sunt ad vos homines mali et Persuassuri vobis vinolentiam, et dicturi sunt vobis quare, non eet nosumus fidelissimi? Sio inde dolio, inde timeo. Iam tu si dixeris constanter, frater, nec te facere quod facis, si te non possum ducere in bonum meum, vel nolime trahere ad malum tuum. Homini istis, ut firi caput dolebit. Dicturus est tibi vicinus tuus aut vicina, hic est incantator, et hic remediator, et nesce ubi mathematicus. Tu dicis, Christianus sum, non licet mihi. Et si ile dixerit tibi, quare, non e ego Christianus sum? Tu dicturus es sed ego fidelis sum. At ile tibi, et ego baptizatus sum. Fiunt angeli diaboli, membra Christi, quia ipsum posidat inimicus, trahere queret et alium. Inveniat vos paratos, qui ista vobis preparavid. Ideo loquor, ideo contestor, ideo non taceo, ideo vestimenta mea excutio, ideo in tribunali Dei mei excusatum me habeo. Dicam, Deo meo, domine non tacui, domine talentum con hidedisti non abscondi, sed erogavi. Hoc poterit mi dicere, serve nequam, tu dares ego exigenem. Ece, domine, dedi, tu exige, et si forte vos vetus titilaverit consuetudo, abetis quem interpelletis. Maior est adiutor quam oppugnator. Irio gemitis, ideo oratis, Irio dicitis, ne nos inferas in tentationem. Observate illudetiam fratris mei, quod supra dicitis, dimite nobis debita nostra, ut faciatis quod sequitur, sicut nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris. Elemosinam facis, elemosinam accipis, ignosis, ignosetur tibi, erogas, erogabitur tibi, Deum dicentem, dimitite et dimitetur vobis, date et dabitur vobis. In mente habete pauperes. Omnibus, dico, facite, lemosinas, fratres mei, facite et non perdetis. Deo credite, non solum dico vobis, non perditis quod facitis pauperibus, sed plane dico vobis, hoc solum non perditis, cetera perditis. Ece vidiamus si exeleratis pauperes hodie. orrea ipsorum vos estis, hud et vobis Deus unde detis et dimitat quod forte pecatis. Includite elemosinam corde pauperum, et ipsa pro exorabi dominum, cui est honor et gloria in saecula saeculorum. Amen. That was Augustine of Hippo speaking to the Infantes and to his flock in Hippo, in uh, perhaps in 425, but it was on this very Sunday, Dominica in Albis, the Sunday after Easter. And one of the things that struck me about this sermon is, and so many of Augustine's sermons, is the way that you can apply them to the state of things today. You know, when we read sermons and letters of Augustine with a little bit of detail, we can hear in them amazing descriptions of the situations, of uh, circumstances that sound very much like what we are facing now in our own day. But in particular, uh, Augustine presents always a realistic view of things, especially a realistic view of the church. He's very clear that the church is uh, is mixed through with good people and with bad people with true, faithful, real Catholics and false Catholics who don't take seriously their God or their Catholic identity and who have lapsed into all sorts of things that are inconsistent or inharmonious with the faith they profess with their tongues. Now, it is very tempting for us to try to sort out these people here and now on our own. Throw them out, excommunicate them, get rid of them. See, Augustine, of course, fought through a big controversy about this with the Donatists who wanted a church of the pure, the clergy who had made some sort of mistake or had caved in and turned over sacred books or who had acquiesced uh, in the face of persecution, uh, savage persecution, to perhaps offer uh, some sort of pagan uh, offering of of incense to the genius of the emperor and so forth. They were out. They were out. They weren't worthy to be in. And Augustine then uh, had to... uh, get into the nature of the church that the church is in a place only for the pure the church is almost like a hospital for the sick Um, we are all uh, in this together and god is the one who is the lord of the harvest he is the one who separates the wheat from the tares and he is the one who does it in his own time and he does it on his own threshing floor the threshing floor for the grain is his just as much as the granary is his that is heaven is his so is the threshing floor now you know today we use big machines and so forth to harvest grain and it's all very kind of automatic and uh we might not you know resonate with these images of the the, the threshing floor but remember what happened in the ancient world how they had to do this they had to uh, they would put the grain on on the pavement, on the threshing floor, and then they would beat it and beat it. They'd thrash it and thrash it with poles that had attached rods, and they'd beat the grain in order to separate the grain from the husks, the chaff, and the the other kind of plant refuse that they didn't want to keep. And the heavier grain would would stay on the floor, while as they thrashed it and or they threw it up uh, with what are called winnowing fans they would throw it up and the wind maybe would blow the lighter chaff away well you know think about how that applies in a certain extent to the threshing floor of our world or the threshing floor which is the church so we catholics can take a beating and very often we are being winnowed by forces that are all around us, blowing us in, in this direction, in that direction. And some who are, shall we say, lighter than others, lightweights, uh, are blown away. They're blown out of the threshing floor. They're blown into that place where the, the refuse is being gathered in order to be burned as refuse. And we we can take a beating, but that's kind of the nature of the threshing floor, isn't it? We even take an unjust beating at times, even from other Catholics. But just remember what Augustine said, there is no chaff in the granary which is heaven, and there's no grain in the fire pit which is hell. It will be separated, and God will do the separation. And what we have to do is we have to stay in the right place so that we aren't gathered into the bundles with the tares and with the chaff to be burned. We have to stay in the threshing floor as long as we are in this world, to stay with Holy Church in hope of the granary to come. And so maybe if you are listening to this, and maybe you're one of those people out there who have a really hard time embracing some things that the church teaches, you know, especially about moral things. And you're tempted just to say, well, I'm going to just take what I want and and leave you know, take the things that I like, and and, you know, not embrace also the teachings that are hard for me. I would urge you to remain on the Lord's threshing floor don't be like those who say well i'm catholic too and then they go astray or even worse they try to lead others astray from their faith uh, away from the church's hard teachings you know i read that i as i read that sermon i thought of the many dissenters from the church and the church's teaching some of the you know the harder things usually about morality or you know sexual morality or about abortion or whatever it might be and they say uh, they say they're catholic even when they openly and obstinately deny what the church teaches and has clarified again and again and again and then they give public scandal seeking to draw other catholics into their own perilous fantasies you know i don't know what they think there is going to be awaiting them but the the threshing floor belongs to the Lord, and he has entrusted the the threshing floor as the church, and he's entrusted it to the Holy Church. He's entrusted it to the Holy Church's pastors to the Holy Father, and to the bishops, the successor of the uh, successors of the apostles, and to faithful priests who who preach the the Catholic faith according to how the church teaches it and so as I was you know, recording the 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 sermons earlier uh, i had running through my mind the situation that we have today of what's going on in catholic schools for example at notre dame or georgetown or I mean, many other you know I, we, we don't have to just separate those two uh schools out even though they're you know sort of notorious right now in the news well think about it they make the claim of being catholic and then they draw other people into error by what they do and you know maybe what they allowed to be teach taught there all in the very sophisticated with sophisticated arguments of academic freedom and you know in Augustine in that sermon you know he talked about how angels become devils and how they seek to bring more in into their side over to their side and so they praise God with their tongue, and they blaspheme with their lives, so when augustine uh goes on in these little you know kind of vignettes that he does, and he you know talks about witch doctors and astrologers, well, you know, I don't think you know many people at least in uh you know the United States or in developed countries are you know talking to many witch doctors, well, maybe they are, I don't know I mean there's a lot of quackery out there, but i I think what we can do is we can. You know, try to figure out who who would be the, those people today, and maybe we can substitute for witch doctors. You know, those people who seduce people into error uh, by protesting that we we needn't be one-issue Catholics, or we should we should avoid being one-issue Catholics, and then they, you know, we should be far more sophisticated. We're really you know very mature now, and we, we, we think about all these issues with you know, very sophisticated ways of seeing them, And don't we really uphold uh, life uh, better by well, not by you know defending abortion and all that? That's really That issue is we've lost that. So instead what we're going to focus on are all these other things. And they say that, well, Catholics can be you know, pro-abortion uh, and can be faithful Catholics and go to Holy Communion uh you know regardless of what the church says and those may be the the witch doctors when he talks about astrologers in the in the latin word i believed he used the word mathematicus hey look over here there's a mathematicus he's a he's like a an astrologer well maybe today we can substitute in people who go by the poles, who go by the numbers the bean counters of the poles. And they say, well, look, see, you know, sixty-five percent of Catholics see it this way, and only really a minority go by what the church literally teaches. Oh, we're going to by see so many. Join the you know, you're if you're with the majority according to the polls, well see then there can't be anything wrong with that, right? See, I'm a I'm a faithful Catholic too, you see. I'm with the majority. We have to be very careful for traps that are set to us. And, you know, in the ancient world, the traps were a little bit different, but in a way they're still the same, aren't they? The devil is very clever and he knows the kinds of things that human beings, weak as we are, with our wounds to our will and to our intellect and difficulty, sorting right out from wrong, especially when we've been taught to resist authority. You know, here's that tension between intellect and faith right and reason and authority see you know we can reason to things in the tangles of our minds our, with our wounded intellect but we are so fortunate that we have the authority of holy catholic church to help us when our decision making is tangled and difficult for us but the devil is very clever And in an age when we have all been taught to to question authority, as it were, and we're left only with our confused little minds, we fall into the same traps that people did centuries ago. You know, maybe the particulars of the trap are a little bit different, but we tend to fall into the same traps anyway. So let's listen to Augustine preaching to the infantes and take to heart his warnings about the dangers of the world and how difficult it is for us out there to live our Catholic lives. But at the end, there is no grain in hell. It's been gathered into the Lord's granary. And in hell we find only the chaff, and there is no chaff in heaven. And so much of our fate will rest on our own choices. ce cui scatecu meno that i'm going to wrap this up Uh, i was going to get into some of your voicemail but i think i'll save those uh, for another time we've really been able to kind of drill into this sermon of augustine and uh, let's just leave it at that for this wonderful sunday uh, in albis low sunday the sunday of divine mercy and may god be merciful to all of you in whatever needs you have in your lives and also give his grace and mercy to your loved ones, please pray for me as I will for you.